The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Messages of Hope. Hi, everybody. What a special show we have for you today. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest today, Deborah Martin, is beautiful on the outside and beautiful on the inside and she's setting a record this is the third time she's been on the program nobody else has done that but you all may remember some of the things she shared with us in the past we'll talk a little bit about that but we have a whole different topic to cover with deborah I'll get into that in just a minute. I do need to tell you that last week when I did the Ask Suzanne and Sanaya episode, we do that the first Thursday of every month, I said I was going to draw a name for somebody who would uh, win one of my courses online. And I set my alarm for two minutes before the end, and it didn't go off. So I didn't do the drawing, but I did it afterwards, and I drew Sandra's name. But I don't know where Sandra is or what her last name is. So Sandra, if you're a regular listener and that was you who called in and asked your question on my show last week, send me an email and claim your prize. (laughs) So there we go. Well, now on to our beautiful guest today. Deborah Martin is a very gifted healer and medium. And like I said, a truly beautiful soul. Let's just welcome her right away so we can let her tell her story. Deborah, thank you for joining us again. Oh, my gosh, it's such an honor, and thank you for the welcome, the beautiful welcome, and I just love you, too. You're just amazing. (laughs) So, um, you know, we're trying to spread the word to people about healing and the power of our words and and how we can use tools ourselves to heal. Exactly, and I didn't give this away, but those who read the announcement on Facebook know that you as a healer in the past year faced an incredible health challenge, so that's the twist today. But before we get into that, I really would like you to recap your background, how you discovered your abilities as a healer and a medium, and just tell us a bit about yourself rather than me reading a biography, okay? Okay, sure. You know, I've had three near-death experiences, two of which were out-of-body experiences, and they shift you. You know, we have shifts in our our life. Some are good. We have babies, weddings. Some we have, you know, tragedies, loss um, of a loved one, passing, car accidents, whatever it may be. But these actually shifted me into who I am. Um, You can read those in my book, Proof of Miracles. 
but it, it really gets into the, the core of what each one gave me. And so I embraced it. I went to the other side. I heard a voice. What did that bring to me? You know, I opened my spirituality. What, what was I hearing? Is this real? Now I'm hearing voices. I had the gift when I was a child, but I closed that off and here it presented itself again. I went to um, the Veritas lab with Dr. Gary Schwartz and Dr. Julie Beischel at the time and was tested as a medium and received my certification as a lab certified medium, which really gave me the credentials with the science behind me that I wasn't going crazy hearing these voices, that this was real. The second yeah, one awesome. was I was, right. And then the second time I, um, I was really sick and dying and I crossed over and I had a conversation with God and I didn't want to come back. I, I begged, no, I don't want to come back. I was sick. I, I, it's so much, I felt so much peace and so much love and wanted to be there. But I, I had a new mission and I told the whole big story, which is so beautiful in that book. And I was actually writing it with um, I, the last show. We actually discussed that book um, yeah. when I was on the show with you. Yeah. So that, that, shifted me to come back into the healer that I am today. So now I use my mediumship and my healing to do the work I do. And I was doing in the beginning healing work out of the Logo Center with Dr. Herb Pure and his wife, Ann Purier. And they, they, they actually um, ordained me as a healing minister because we were seeing miracles. So mm. um, it, it, it's just, it's beautiful how things transpire and you have no idea. I mean, some of our hardest, most tragic lessons can be, become our most beautiful things that we embrace and make us who we are. Exactly. So your book, Proof of Miracles, covers your background. And what was your first book? My first book a long time ago was, um, I have sold a soul. I have believed beyond seeing. I have, I have six books, so okay. we'll get into all of that. But yes, they're all available on Amazon. On Amazon, and your website is goldenmiracles.com. But let's now go to a little over a year ago. You had a lot going on in the last two years, and just in, in this last in the last year, you have two books come out, a new podcast. But what we're going to focus on today is a very serious diagnosis that you had. Tell, tell us how that came about, that it was your intuition which guided you to be diagnosed. Well, it's interesting. I learned a lot through this. So I think we all need to be our own advocates for our own body. So I was exercising, doing a lot of bike exercise, biking, and I had this hemorrhoid that was on the outside of my, you know, anal area. And it was causing me some pain. So in November of 2018, I went and had had a rectal doctor look at this and she had said, you know, it's not inflamed. There's nothing we can do about this. And I said, okay, cause it's been really bothering me. So I, I put it off. I listened to her. And then, um, the first week of February, I woke up and I heard these words so strong. You need to get this removed now. Hmm. Now, when I hear things like that and they're so profound, I don't question I, I, I know, like, okay, I know this is what I need to do. So I made an appointment, and that was on February 4th. And I remember going in and talking to the doctor, and she's like, why are you here? 
And I said, because I want you to look at this hemorrhoid. And she questioned, like, I just looked at it, you know, a few months ago. And I said, no, I feel this needs to be removed. And she argued with me and said, no, we don't usually take hemorrhoids out. Um, and I had had a past of a, a hemorrhoid years prior that was that needed to be removed that was way inside my anal. So I, I knew that we need to pay attention. But when I heard those words, I knew that I had to have it out. So she was saying, no, you... I don't want to remove this. And I said, intuitively, I'm being told I need to remove this. So I was standing my ground. And I can remember bending over the table, which is very uncomfortable, and her coming to the front of the table and arguing with me. This is going to be painful, and you're going to be in pain for, for a while. This is not going to be easy. And I said, well, I'm already in pain, and I know I need to get it out. So Yeah, you know, Deborah, let me just interrupt here. And some people may be squirming literally because we humans, our human side, don't like to talk about these particular body parts and all that, you know, and, and I'd rather exactly. not deal with that. And if the doctor says, let's not go there, I'm happy to set that aside. But this is such an important message because we all get these intuitive hits, but our human side says, oh, let's not even go there. So I just give you so much credit for being willing to talk about this, to write it in your book and but in the first place, to listen to that voice and act on it. You know, it wasn't easy to to write it because I thought, oh, gosh, this isn't something that you want to share, right? This is very personal. Yeah. But, no, I learned that I had to share this because through my journey there was, you know, I wrote things through the entire journey of what I went through, which was going to now not only help me, but help anyone that was going to have any type of illness. That's right. And That's so right. I was seeing how it was transpiring that even if, if at the end it wasn't going to be gone, I knew I was giving a gift that I needed to, to others. Yeah. So what happened? So what happened is, um, it was, you February. insisted Yes, I insisted on her taking this out. So she, she's like, all right, I'll take it out. And she said, I mean, she was like very loud, like, okay, let's get the scissors and the knife. And I'm like, oh, you know, am I really doing this? And so that's the humanist coming in like, oh, you can do this, you can do this. And um, she took it out and she asked me if I wanted to see it. And I said, yeah, I do. And I look at it, it looked kind of like a dead lima bean, you know, there's, it's not red, it's brown, there's, there's no veins. And she even questioned, should we even set the, send this for biopsy? And mm -hmm. I said, um, well, what do you think? And she goes, well, it looks kind of dead, like there's not, I think we're fine. But she goes, oh, let's just send it for biopsy anyway. You know, that's normal protocol. So I think she was just doing it because that's what she normally would do anyway. Mm -hmm. And then um, on February... 13th, I got a call um, from her. I was driving. I had just left my two daughters. We were all on FaceTime, and I said, I have to go to my hair appointment. So we were all happy. We were joyful. And I was in the car. I was kind of dancing to music. And all of a sudden, I get this call, and I'm like, I knew it was her because her, her name came up on the screen. And I said, Hello, how can I help you? And she says, Where are you right now? I said, I'm driving. She's like, well, can you go home? And I said, no, I am not anywhere close to home. Um, and she, I go, but I'll pull over. And I had this kind of queasiness in my stomach, like, uh-oh. And she voiced to me, I'm so sorry. I go, okay. She said, I have to tell you that you have cancer. 
that came back as cancer. I, I, I'm so sorry. I never would have. And she just kept repeating how sorry she was. So I knew that at that time she was feeling regretful, right? She was having some guilt and she just said, you need to come see me um, tomorrow. So I believe that was the 12th, February 12th. And then I went and saw her the 13th and the 14th is when my whole world was rocked. And when you say that, Deborah, I'm sitting here holding your book in my hand. It's called Doctor's Faith and Courage. And I couldn't put it down, really. I read through the whole book, and you detailed everything. And it's what really got me, and I know this from other people that have had illness. I deal with a lot of people. But, I mean, from that moment that you just described to us, your whole life becomes completely about this, doesn't it? It does. It shifted. It's like you can't even think. Um, I was shaken. I knew I couldn't drive. I knew I had to go back home. I I couldn't voice it. That was what was so interesting. My daughter saw me. They were still FaceTiming. Saw me walk in the house, and they're like, "Mom, did you get in a car accident? What's wrong?" And and I was so sure I couldn't get the words out. It took me forever to voice it. I didn't mm-hmm. want to voice. How do you? I didn't want to own this. I didn't want to voice this, but I had to tell them. And so, yes, it, it shook me to the core. It was like, um, and I, and not just as a healer. This is how anyone would feel hearing those sure. words. It, right? It it shakes us. It's like, what? And then we, how we, how soon did like, it kick in that hey, I'm a healer, and did you start having these like? should thoughts you know I should be this way or should be that way versus I'm just human too I'm not just human I'm also human um when I was when I after I seen my um the doctor after that appointment she the next day she sent me to see the oncologist and radi radi radiation doctor and um it it really came to me when the doctor said to me so Deborah what do you do for work. <laughs> I was like, well, oh, okay, now I got to voice my truth. So I said, well, you'll probably find this very interesting. It was the first time I voiced it. I said, I'm a healer. And now I, how are you as a doctor going to take that? How will my clients take that? How am I going to embrace that? And my doctor said, I, I, I was, I was, I knew God was speaking through him. He said, you are the vessel, Deborah. The healing comes through you. Your body's going to continue to go through what it needs to as you're being human. Yeah, and I was I stunned was like, when I read that, too. It was like, how did she get this doctor? That's a God thing right there. It was a God thing. And both my doctors were had the first name of my, my children, my first two children. So yeah. I knew I was in the right space at the right time. But it did it it at that time I'm like no I need to use all my tools in my toolbox because at first I questioned do I use um, you know chemo do I do radiation so I let them do the PET scan to see how bad it was and let's and, stop a second there because I love how when you went for your first test you corrected the verbiage the language of the people helping you. Yes, I did. I actually, when I, I went to, you know, you have to go get your 
PET scans and you have to go get, you know, blood work done and things like that. And they would say, oh, you're Deborah Martin, you're here for your anal cancer. And I said, no, could you please not use that? Could you please use curable cancer? So everywhere I went when they said, said oh, you're here, we're, you're going under for surgery for your port, for your cancer. I said, no, for curable cancer. And do you know the response I got is they loved it. I know. I said, if you could, I if know. you could embrace this to others, power of words are so important. And yeah. if we change our thought process, it's you know it doesn't give it power, right? It changes the power, and so we can actually say cancer a little bit easier when we say curable, even though I didn't know if it was going to be curable. That's the words I hung on to. Now, I feel right now is the time to talk about something you and I have talked about in the past. Our our mutual friend, Brenda Baker, you did a healing for her, and yet Brenda's now across the veil. And I have so many beautiful members of my community that come to me because they have a loved one who passed from cancer. And if they're listening now, what do you, Deborah, a healer, say to them about, okay, we say curable cancer, but some people cross the veil. Would you address that, please? Yes. Um, when I started writing this book, I didn't know what my outcome was going to be. But I knew that with either outcome, I was going to be okay. So yeah. I, I embrace it saying, um, yes, this is curable cancer. But I also embrace it with what lesson are you giving me? So we all get gifts. From what we received. So with Brenda, she received her gift in a different form. And that's right. She was healed. Say, you oh. healed her emotionally so that when she crossed, she, she you healed her, her wounds at such a deep level emotionally that when she crossed, she was immediately communicating with, with me and others and is in a beautiful state of being and continues that way. But you're so you're saying that right away you knew that you're saying curable, but you still embraced even if you passed. Right, because you know what? I didn't know what my outcome would be. I was going to stand strong in what I wanted it to be, right? Mm-hmm. I was going to do mm-hmm. my part. Um, but I still knew that I wasn't the one in control. Um, yeah. The divine was. The only thing I had control of it was I had to make a choice of how I was going to walk through this. So I could walk through this with courage. I could walk through this with fear. I could walk with this with um, I'm anger, I'm going to fight this, or I could walk through, I'm going to embrace this. <laughs> and, um, you know, I took, I, I, I did like eight different things of, for my own thing. And I put it in, in, in the book with the actual prayers. I said, every step of the way, I, I, everything that I was doing, I was writing. So one. Yeah, I, I want to get to one of those later, but 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 could I just interrupt a second and say that when yes. you met with your oncologist, oh, yes. you found out the news was much worse than you initially thought, didn't you? Oh yeah, um, I was stage four. It was I. It was in my lymph nodes. Um, oh. I could feel these balls in my lower lymph nodes. I and I had a doctor appointment scheduled with my. OBGYN, because I was like, what's going on in here? But um, those were filled with cancer. And I was going to go have a PET scan to see if it was, if it had spread anywhere else, if it spread into my stomach, my liver, or any other areas, my chances were 
very, very slim. I would, I would have had to move my, but what was kind of eerie for me was my son was working on jo- at Johns Hopkins hospital and my other son um, lived by Cleveland clinic. And this doctor was saying, well, you probably want to go to the best hospitals you could. And I told him this and he's like, well, what are the odds that they work there? And I thought, Oh, maybe, that, maybe they are working there for a reason. Maybe I'm going to have to go live with them. So, you know, your humanist, you're seeing things as they're presented to you, but I still didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Yeah. So I, now we were talking about those prayers. Do you have your book nearby? I do. You're okay. Because I'd rather you read it. I want you to read it word for word because it's so beautiful. I don't want you to miss a bit of this one, but uh, it's page, page 59. When you went for your first radiation treatment, you were, you went and most people would be petrified and I know you weren't exactly thrilled, but if you would share with all of us, the prayer you whispered during your radiation treatment, it's so inspiring. Can you just tell us what you were feeling at that moment? So the first time I saw, it's important for people to know this, Suzanne, too. The first time I saw the machine, I was I was scared. Okay, so um, you have to feel those emotions. I, I'm not telling you to just not embrace those emotions, not to walk through those emotions. I cried. I didn't understand. I I I saw that machine the first day, and I was scared. But the second day I walked in, I decided to walk differently. And that's when I made the choice to embrace the machine, this scary machine. And this is what I said. Thank you, God, for this machine that is that is sending radiation to the areas that I need healed. I accept this radiation. I love this machine that you helped created. God, please guide the radiation to the areas that are needed and protect all areas of my body that do not need to be destroyed, that do not need it. Please just destroy, disintegrate, and remove the cancer from my body. Yeah. So, I mean, I have I have goosebumps, uh, you know, to say, I love this machine. <laughs> you know, I embrace this treatment. Wow. And then and I that you were willing you to feel that- your humanness and let it flow. Wow, wow. Yeah, well, I, I tell you, I had the most profound things happen when I was in there. Those were they, those became my God moments. And you would think, oh, here we go, another day. I mean, I had six weeks of radiation every day. Every and day, so, and then, and and would you share with everybody what happened when you what you did when you had to take your first dosage of chemo pills? How you handled yeah, them? Thank you for asking that. So, I have um, eighteen pills that I need to take. And I looked at the pills, and and you get them all at once, like this whole box of pills. I'm like, okay, I can only do one jar at a time. I take the jar out. There's like 160 in that jar. I take 18 of the pills out, and I I decided to get a really beautiful um, plate. There's a small plate that you could cup in my hands, and I put all 18 pills on there. And then I stood in front of this beautiful picture that I – have in my um, room where it, it's a picture of Jesus, but I feel God through those eyes, and I held them in that that plate, and I said, "Thank you for the, these pills that I'm about to take. Remove my fear, because I I really 
believe that you created these for me. So I love these pills. And I was saying them, you know, the first time it's like, okay, you really do love these pills. Because I knew that these pills were going to be, you know, these are going to destroy and I'm going to feel them. But I also have to love them. Because Hmm. if I love them, love heals. If I use this as an enemy, I'm resisting the work that they need to do. Wow, so by this placing is profound. The, 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 the plate, I took two out at a time, still raising it up to that picture, giving thank you every time I took those two, two at a time until I was done. Then I kind of did the namaste, and I, I thanked every step of the way. Thank you. Thank you. That is so beautiful, and, and I could just spend so much time on each step of this, but I know we only have so much time. So, you know, you think, okay, she's blessing the machine. She's blessing the medicine. She's going to have an easy go of it. And you go forward a chapter in your book and it dropped you to your knees, literally mm-hmm. and drastically, just suddenly you get the full effect of this, right? Yeah, yes, um, because I had to have infusions too, one at the beginning and I was supposed to have one at the end, which is interesting. So, because um, once again, I heard God talk to me at the end, and I'll explain that. But when mm-hmm. I did, it dropped me to my knees. I woke up and was like, oh, my gosh, that next day, I I don't know what just hit me. And I was crying. Like, I can't, I can't even crawl. I have no one here to help me, and I have to take my dog outside to go to the bathroom. How am I going to do this? Yeah. And I've never I read this felt. to Ty. I shared it with Ty. I said, listen how this hit her. She's here trying to walk her dog, and she gets her hus- her son on the phone on Facebook. Watch me in case I collapse. You can call 911. It was just dramatic. It was, and I remember just crying, and he's like, you're going to be okay. Well, And at that moment when he saw how bad it was, he took action with all my other kids to, to make times and when they could come help me. But I have to say, the last infusion that I was supposed to have, I knew my body once again. And I knew that I wasn't supposed to have this last infusion because it would kill me. I was told that my heart would give out. And mm-hmm. my children were all saying, no, you've got to have that one. Why would you think that? This is, you, you, you made it this far. You've got to do this. This is, this is what's going to heal you. Mom, you have to be strong here. And I'm like, no, it's, I don't think so. So I went and got my blood drawn that, that morning and just saying, Deborah, we have to go to a break. We have to go to a break. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but we'll come back and find out, uh, you know, what happened when you listen to that intuition. Once again, we're talking with Deborah Martin about her journey through cancer. Please come back after the break. Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. 
ignite your radical imagination, and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hi, everybody. I find this topic riveting. This conversation is powerful. We're talking with Deborah Martin. Her website is goldenmiracles.com. She's a healer, an amazing healer, and a medium. But today's show is about her most recent oh, book, Doctor's Faith and Courage. But really, it's not about the book. It's about your journey with cancer, being a healer yourself. So, We'll get back to what we were talking about before the break, about how you once again listened to your intuition and did not have that final infusion. But would you share with us, we were talking on the break, we really want to give you time to talk about eight things you did through the steps of this journey to embrace the cancer. Okay, so I'll briefly say these. The first thing is I had to make a choice, right? What Was I going to fight it? Was I, how, I, how it, was I going to walk through this? And I chose to walk through this with embracing it with love and to walk with gratitude. Secondly, um, I asked the cancer and I questioned it. What lesson are you here to teach me? What lesson was I going to learn from it? Third, I've heard people say that they see a cancer. It's just a visitor in my body, right? Right. And it's like, what lesson are you here for? Any, Any type of illness. Yeah. Anything that you're dealing with, what lesson are you here? Um, Then I embrace, like I said, everything with love, but with prayer too, because as we have our emotions, we have to release that and give that and allow, you know, remove our control. Then I change the verbiage, remember, from um, cancer to curable cancer. So you change your verbiage as, as being profound and so that you can stand in it. And then my emotions, I embraced my emotions. I allowed them to come through because they're real. You have to feel to heal. You got to release it. It's not good to hold on to it. And then I built my army. I called them army of love. And what that is, is who are, who's going to be your army? Who's going to be your bigger supporters that you can, you know, lean on, that you can talk, that can bring you joy, that's going to stay with you because joy really helps heal. Then I made goals. What were my goals going to be? I had weekly goals. Mine was a calendar. If I made it through those days of treatments, I go, oh, I made it through another week. I knew how many days I had to do, and I'd put stars on the calendar to see, wow, I'm doing this. It, and I would honor myself, like, good job, pat, pat myself on the back. And then the hardest thing for me was to put myself first. I had to honor myself. Um, when you have children, they were now taking care of me, and I'm the one that always used to take care of them. And now I had to tell them no with things that they may have wanted to come visit me. No, you can't. Um, it was hard to say no, but because yeah. I was honoring myself, I knew what I had to do. So those are what I did during my session. I talked more deep about it into the book and how it can help others too. 
Yeah, Doctor's Faith and Courage is Deborah Martin's book. And and then this will be in the archives. So I say rewind right there and go back and write down that list because every one of them is a jewel. Absolutely. And, and so contrary to how most humans behave when faced with a challenge. You know, Deborah, reading this, I know you and we talk occasionally, but I – I don't know you that well that I was one of the people that knew what you were going through. And when I read the book, I was actually kind of mortified because I'd heard that you were still working as a healer. And I actually sent somebody to you during this time. And I know you worked with them. Tell us about how are you healing other people while you're going through this debilitating treatment? It's interesting. I I asked God every step of the way when I can and when I couldn't. There were two weeks during the the process, the entire six week process that I could not do any healing. My body was, I had to just take it for myself. But the other weeks I would do like one session a week. And what I was witnessing is exactly what the doctor told me. I am just the instrument. My body is not what's healing. It's God healing that person through me. So I was no longer feeling, when I would go into those sessions, I was no longer feeling any pain. I was like, this is yes. the best ever. I want to be in this. I, if I could stay here all day, I would. But I was I know. I was yeah, when I've, when, when I've heard from other mediums like you and others that I know, and personally, when we channel or when we do this work, we're out of our bodies in an altered state. And it's just like the body doesn't even exist. Right. And I was feeling pain in my body for where my clients were dealing with their pain. So it shifted into what my body, what I needed to hear and feel and see and voice. And it just, it, it was miraculous. Um, I would be like, wow, I'm so clear. Maybe this is making me clearer. But what was it was, what it was, it wasn't making me clear. It was just giving me the knowingness that yes, this is okay to do because I was seeing and hearing the validations of being so profound. And I was thanking God. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you. And it wasn't my normal schedule, but it allowed me to see and know without a shadow of doubt that, you know, this is coming through me. This isn't, this isn't me. Well, that raises a really important point here. There's a, there's a whole school of thought in the metaphysical world that we create our illnesses. Did that affect you in the experience of having cancer? You know, I, I went to those spaces of going, you know, what is your lesson? And is it something that I held on to? Was this due to stress? Why did it come? And all the what ifs, trying to figure it out, almost made it worse because then I, my mind is focused on that versus mm-hmm. just allowing it to be where it needed to be and embracing it with love. So did I manifest it? I don't think I did. I do feel it was it was given to me and I'm looking at it as a gift today because I'm able to share everything I learned through it. I mean, the doctors, doctors don't embrace books and they allow me to put their first names in the book and the center they work at and now they're they're actually promoting this book in their cancer community. So Great. they they, they, I believe doctors believe that, you know, your attitude and how you're going to walk through this and healing by praying, they're seeing that it works too. Yeah. Wow. So mm-hmm. your treatment was just 
it was debilitating, the, the effects that it had on your body. You couldn't keep anything inside you. It's just, I felt so badly for you. But what really got me, my human side did, my soul knows about the gifts. You know, we can choose how we view which, which viewpoint from the human or the soul. But it, I was so surprised to see my name come up in the book that you had a date on my radio show. And you say in the book that that kind of kept you going to finish your book in time for my radio show. And and you're pushing yourself. And I wanted to say, Deborah, if I had known, we could have changed the date. But I see that that was a gift that I didn't know because it spurred you on. It, it was one of my goals. And so I knew that if I could get this goal done, um, it was also I was also told by spirit, like you need to finish your book because this this is going to help so many. This is this is your you know this is about your life. And let I me interrupt just meant, a second. But... We're talking about your previous book, Proof of Mir- Proof of Miracles: Profound True Stories right. of Hope and Healing. The one before the one we're talking about today. So that was a year ago. You were just finishing it while you had cancer, and you you said I'm going to talk about it on your radio show, Suzanne. Right, and and it it gave me the hope and knowing like I was supposed supposed to fill, finish this book, but I didn't know if it meant because it was leaving a legacy. What was that, <laughs> what did that mean? Was it mean that hurry finish this book because you're going to die and not finish it? I didn't know, but I had this strong goal. Like this, it it, it allowed me to focus on something versus focusing focusing on what I was dealing with. It wasn't easy. I mean, I had my son help me at times, and I was just like, oh, come on, come on. But, you know, when I did that show with you, I had so much strength. I remember, um, you know, Valerie knew everything. My assistant knew everything that I was going on with, and she was like, you would never even known. You were so strong. And and that's, that's the gift that God gives us when we need it. Yeah. And I remember reading, you're talking about, you know, you, you're, you're dealing with the internet and problems with your publisher in the book and you're, you're almost going to be late for a very important radiation treatment and you almost miss it because if you don't get this done, you're not going to be, you got to get it done for Suzanne's radio show. And I'm practically shouting in the book. No, don't miss your treatment. It's not that important. (laughs) The show, (laughs) but Oh my gosh. I did do that. I really did that because it just, it was, it gave me a purpose. Right. So you're yeah. going through all of this and it seems so sad. This was a, a beautiful purpose. It was uplifting. It was something that I was creating that I wanted. And it was it became like my everything. And so um, for you having me on the show at that time, it was so divine. It was. So it, divine it was. And we get used. But, you know, I have to tell you. Um, so clearly here you are talking to us. Why don't I, I want you to skip ahead and just tell us. What is your current health situation? And then I want to back up, okay? Okay, so my current health health condition right now is I um, no longer have cancer. Um, I was, I, when I went and saw my radiation doctor, my friend who was, has been on my side the whole time, he said the first time, we probably will see some cells, some cancer cells in here, so I don't want you to be upset with the first pet scan you get well the first pet scan came back with it totally cleared and my friend said do you remember her saying that it would come back clear the first time and he kind of nodded his head because 
you know, I used the doctor, I used machines, I used my healing abilities on myself at the same time. And so um, I was thrilled. And then I knew, uh oh, there's another book coming. <laughs> and I'm thinking, <laughs> you know how hard it is, to, how much energy it takes to write a book. And so I started writing, you know, finishing this book. I, I wrote a lot of the, the prayers and things, but I didn't put it in book form. And so now I'm like, better do it now because it's raw. And yeah. so I spent so much time um, getting that done. And to, to, to get a book done in, like, I think it was two or three months total, that's, that, that was a, a God thing as well. You know what I appreciated about your book? You said it was raw. That's what was so riveting because we, when you don't go through it yourself and you know others who do and you feel compassion for them, but you took us on this journey with the the pain and the the fear and the every challenge you went through, we're there with you. And it gave me so much more understanding. And now I can feel even more compassion for others thanks to you sharing your journey. Well, that was my lesson. Uh, my lesson was, I remember questioning God, well, what lesson could this possibly give me? Like, I have compassion for people. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. I had no, I had no idea the compassion level that I was learning. I'm, you know, now I understand. I walk the same walk that these people that have gone through some of these illnesses where I have empathy for them because I experienced it. Um, and so fully human mode same. too. You really went yeah. back and forth between the the crying and the, and the the pain, and then and then coming to peace with it. Really, just showing right. how we shift back and forth our point of view. Right, and it's important for all for all of it. And uh, the lesson, you know, now I'm I'm on the same. Like before, as a healer, I never knew I was just looking from the outside in. Now I'm I'm in I'm in that I'm on that other side of that door, and it does make a difference. I never thought that it would, but in my healing, it does. I just I just am in awe with every session I do. I, I give gratitude. I you know that's the one thing I said every single treatment. Thank you. You know, thank you for everything. You, you, if you, if we walk with gratitude and thank everything, all of a sudden, the things that we're walking through that are so hard or tragic or painful, that kind of lifts, right? Because we're feeling yeah. the joy and the gift from it. And I just want to acknowledge how you acknowledge, and I certainly acknowledge our fabulous healthcare workers. The the nurses and doctors that care for yeah. sick people are just angels. But Deborah, I want to ask you did you realize today is a special anniversary no yeah as i'm reading the book i went wait what day is the radio show may 14th this is the day your port was removed and you had you were back to normal platelet range one year ago today oh my gosh i didn't even know that i know i wanted to surprise you i'm reading the book and i said i'll bet she doesn't remember yeah. So the wow. port was the wow. something that you had inserted in surgery under your skin so they could put in the medication and do the blood draw. So it was, ooh, that's like staring you in the face every day. I have curable cancer, right? Yeah. And that was one of my hardest things to go through. It was my port. It was the hardest thing ever because it made it so real. 
I remember yeah. the doctor saying, well, you're going to like this port because you're going to be able to get all your blood work out of there. And I was like, I tend to differ with that. <laughs> I yeah. don't think so. Yeah. Well, oh, Deborah, yes. you can help us now, having been through this. What are some of the things that friends and family can say to someone going through a challenge like cancer? What What is the most helpful thing when we don't know what to say? You know, I don't think we have to say anything. You know, I wasn't looking for sympathy. I would see it in their face. I could see the pain and sorrow. Of, you know, they were hurting for me. It was hard for them to walk through, you know, my neighbors to see me this way. And I I just wanted the joy from them. So they would come over and make me laugh. My one neighbor, I couldn't smell food. I couldn't smell it at all. It would make me sick. So what he did for me is he cooked all of our meals at his house and brought them mm-hmm. down so that I could try to eat them. So, so I would nice. say see how you can help them in any way that would would got you know get them through this and joy was the biggest thing they would come over and i remember like oh god i'm gonna i have to go to the bathroom or i just wish i could go into the bedroom but i remember sitting in that space and listening to whether it was my son or my daughter talking to my neighbors and then laughing and then having a glass of wine they never stopped having their wine like my sister was here and she's Every night having her wine, I'm like, oh, I wish I could have that with you. She goes, I'll have another for you. And so oh, we didn't stop living. You know, we played games every day. We, we, we did what we could to embrace and bring laughter. And that's what I would say to bring anyone that's dealing with something. Because that laughter, that joy, it, it changes the mood and it brings and raises that vibration up each and every time. Even if somebody doesn't feel like laughing, I guess you just feel it out in the moment, huh? Oh, let me tell you, I didn't feel it. I was like, just want to close my eyes on the couch and go, I want to go back into my bed. I feel awful. And, you know, I was having stomach cramps and the radiation just makes everything so uncomfortable in that area. You can't sit, you know, you have to sit properly, lay down on an angle. And um, I didn't want to be there, but listening to them converse and be be normal right they weren't changing their what they were their behavior just for me like oh she's not feeling good we should probably be quiet it allowed me to be in their space to go okay this is what I have to look forward to they're still laughing and I get to be part of that and I get to be even though I don't feel good that vibration surrounding me with their love that they're putting out That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. So you say in your book, Doctor's Faith and Courage, that facing this disease has made you a better healer. How has your work changed? Um, Like I said before, it's the empathy. It's it's being, um, I stand really strong, and I did before, but I stand so strong in every word that I receive for them, every feeling of healing that goes on in that session and also you know I see loved ones come into the room I use my mediumship so it truly is a gift with what what's being said and everything just seems to have come together in a heightened way where I'm just so grateful to be able to do the work I had and the lessons that I have gone through it hasn't been easy through the years to become who I am what God molded me to be Mm -hmm. 
And you talk about seeing loved ones come in when you're doing healing work. You felt your own loved ones physically at one beautiful point. Tell us about that. Oh, I'm so glad that you said that. I really wanted to mention this. So, okay, so my last PET scan, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm kind of worried, you know, scared. That's my humanness coming out. And I can remember the tech saying, okay, we're going to get you ready now because, you know, he puts he puts that medicine in your arm. And he said, okay, Deborah, you had anal cancer. I said, you, oh, what, what? You said the word had. Oh, my gosh, I love you. You just gave me the words. I knew right then it is gone. So when I went on to that PET scan table, he wrapped me up in this blanket differently. So I felt like when my hands went over my head, he put this, another blanket, which I've never had on any of my PET scans, over my arms. I felt like there was a halo over me. And then as I went through the PET scan, the room's pitch black. I felt this beautiful white light surrounding me. I'm like, okay, God, that's you. So I started thanking him. Thank you for, thank you for showing your miracle. Thank you for showing your proof of healing through the doctors, through me and how we work together. Thank you. Thank you. And then all of a sudden I felt someone on my left and someone on my right. And I said, oh my gosh, these are my parents. They're here. I could feel them and I felt such love. I wanted to cry. But what's so miraculous after this is I couldn't wait to tell Valerie. So Valerie's my sister and I call her and I could cry right now because <clears throat> Valerie is just like, I love her to death. But I love Valerie. Was, we all love Valerie. What a gentle, beautiful oh soul. She's, the two of you together. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she's just an angel. And I just love, she's, she's my family and she's, Help me every step of the way get through this with her love. But she was meditating at the same time as I was getting that PET scan. And she's like, I didn't tell her right away. I just said, I'm done with my PET scan. She says, Deborah, I have to tell you something that I prayed to. I did meditation during the same time. And she said, I saw your parents. Said, what? She says, yes, I saw your parents. Each one, one, they were touching your shoulders, but they were very calm and quiet. And I went, I just started crying because I knew at that moment she witnessed what I saw and she validated it. So even though I'm a medium, you know, we still like to get the validation that what we're seeing and feeling is true. And my parents wanted me to know without a shadow of doubt that this was them supporting me and loving me through this journey. So beautiful, and we might have just outed Valerie as a medium, but I've seen some of her artwork, too, that's that's validated what she sees. And and it's just amazing, this community of, of how how spirit works through so many. Mm. Well, Valerie does podcasts with me, and she has so much um, – every time we're ready, we let, it's called Spirit Chat. We let spirit talk through us. And we never really know where we're going to be guided or what we're going to be saying. I'm like, wow, you rocked this. She brings so much <laughs> to the table every time. The knowledge that she has, it, she's a true gift. Yay. We're going to have to get Valeria here. Okay, we'll make that work. So I have a question for you, and I'm sure because I hear it from people that are listening. You're a healer, and how did you find that perfect balance between Medicine and faith. Medicine and faith. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good question. We always feel like it has to be one or the other. 
and it doesn't. That's what God showed me with having the doctors that I had and what they, they said to me and how they embraced me. I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I need to use them all. I needed to use all the tools in my toolbox. That's what God created them for. That's why we have our medicines. So yeah. we don't need to we don't need to say, I'm not gonna take this, I'm not gonna go to the hospital. We can embrace them with love like I did and say thank you to them. Thank you to the doctors. Thank you for their knowledge. Thank you. You know, he works through all of them. He works through the machines. He works through my doctors. He works through my medicine. And he works through me. And so I come I I I learn to combine them. So I I never tell my my you know clients to ever stop seeing their doctors or ever stop their treatments because I believe it goes hand in hand. And yet let's close the loop here. You were supposed to have that final infusion. We talked about this before the break. Your children are saying, "No, mom, you need this to heal." And your intuition was yeah. saying my intuition said, no, if you have this infusion, you're going to die. And I told them, my children, this. And so I went and had my blood work that morning. I w- I was, I, then I went to radiation, had my last, one of my last radiation treatments, came back. And um, my doctor called and we were in the car. And she said, Deborah, we can't do the, um, this last infusion. And I had prayed before I left that morning saying, God, show them that I can't take this has to come back in my blood work and it did my platelets were so low that um, it had I had that um, infusion it would have been more harmful than if I had it my son, son still argued like well why would you even think about giving it to her and then say that she's going to be fine without it now like that didn't make sense to him in his rational mind and I said Stephen some things are not going to make sense but we have to trust the process we have to trust that I have everything I need, and my body is showing me I don't need any more. And I said, and you didn't, and you didn't. We just have 30 seconds left here, but you know, we talked earlier why are some people cured and some aren't? And you have this beautiful final. Uh, part in your book that talks about Brenda Baker, who we talked about at the beginning, and you healed her, yet she's across the veil. Her gifts continue, but your gift to us continues from this side. And when we can see the gifts, well, you've just shared it with us today. You're the gift to all of us, Deborah, and I thank you so much. Gosh, thank you too for your gifts. We all have them, and we all use them. And you know, we just. I, I, I thank you, and I thank Brenda Baker. Please read the, the last chapter of how she worked behind the scenes through this whole cancer with me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down.